Hi guys, welcome to Cow Corner Cricket Cast. I'm Pratham, and today I'll be previewing the third and final ODI between England and Sri Lanka in this 2021 series. So, at this point, England have taken the series pretty comfortably, 2-0 in both of the ODIs played thus far, with their dominance never really being seriously challenged by the Sri Lankans. Um, I'd say the comparative experience of players in both camps has played a really crucial role in making this the outcome. Uh, the established opening pair, uh, Roy and Berstow and the England side, have individually really gotten on top and hammered the tourist bowlers at the start of each innings in the previous two m- matches. I mean, Roy scored that 60 off 52, and then before that, Berstow getting to a firecracking start with his 60-odd of like 40 or some balls or something as well, right? Um, after that, Smith Golds England have had ODI veterans in Morgan and Root that have been able to capitalize on that start and then serenely shepherd them to chase down those small targets required in each match. The fact that those uh, targets were so small in the first place, I believe, has much to do with the timid and inexperienced Sri Lankan top order. Uh, Partham Nisanka at number 2, your second opener, and Avishka Fernando at number 3. Between them, we've only played 28 matches, folks. That's that's not a recipe for success. <laughs> um, and, and they've been getting lbw and bold, right, in particular, by really probing spells of channel, uh, i.e. fourth st- fifth stump, third, you know, stump, uh, bowling outside that off stump. Uh, swing bowling in particular by England's new ball paces uh, in Wokes, Willie and Curran, all of whom have been really familiar with bowling in these conditions. Uh, it's their home conditions, if you will. Um, and while they've been, there have been fight backs from some of the newer Lunkin players, right, in both of the matches, Asaranga scored, a, you know, a couple of crucial runs at the bottom of the order, same with Shanaka, Silva chipped in with a 91 in the last match, Jamiro and Benura Fernando have been tight with the ball and gotten, you know, uh, a couple of wickets. Um, they've often been left with too much to do in either rescuing a batting collapse or in defending a subpar total, right? Um, even when the youngsters have looked like reversing the tide in favor of Sri Lanka during a match, their experience has meant that they've sort of uh, given um, given away the those big moments, right? The big moments that people look at uh, that decide a match, right? Uh, you guys remember when Dhananjay De Silva in that last ODI had scored 91 and was looking set for 100. He pulls a delivery uh, straight to the deep square like that was stationed there. Um, that guy takes the catch um, and then they never really recover from that, um, Sri Lanka. And so what has been the issue for them is they, they don't know how to win the big moments because they're a young team, which is to be expected. Um, and their bowlers have been very much the same. They've been unable to sustain the pressure. Uh, you know, Chimera and Benura Fernando, they bowled very good tight spells, but occasionally they've strayed on the pads and allowed the English batsmen to feast on some wayward bowling in that regard. For the Sri Lankans, this third ODI in Bristol looks likely to follow the same script. Uh, the Neville Road surface both sides will play on is known to provide even pace and carry, but offers some lateral movement for the seamers and spinners alike. Uh, the predicted weather conditions in Bristol tomorrow, scattered showers, a 16 degree, a 16 Celsius degree, I should say, weather, um, and um, a moderate breeze blowing near the ground, right? All point to an overcast, humid day where England's medium-fast seamers could torment that Sri Lankan top order once more. Uh, to avoid this from happening again, I'd say uh, Sri Lanka's captain Kusil Pereira should try to put the home side in to bat if he wins the toss. Um, funny enough, uh, Iron Morgan, his opposing skipper, uh, English skipper, um, would probably look to do the same. 
Even though banning first will probably be more difficult on the surface, the constant rain interruptions anticipated would mean that any target that England set could be revised to become more difficult for the team chasing second. Uh, Morgan might also be looking to give his lower middle order of Moeen Ali, Sam Curran, Chris Wokes more game time, right? Um, in both of the prior ODIs, they never really got a chance to bat for long periods. If England bats first and top order wickets fall cheaply, they would give those three an opportunity to consolidate the innings and thereby give them that valuable experience of helping them to learn how to bat in crisis or unfavorable situations. Speaking of middle orders, any changes to occur in the composition of both teams for this match are likely to be in those English middle order slots. With England having already won that series, uh, they can afford to experiment with their batting lineup a bit, right? Uh, Tom Banton, he got a recent call up to the squad, uh, replacing David Milan, who was uh, withdrawn for personal reasons. Um, he struck, uh, Banton got the call up basically because he struck a explosive 200 uh, strike rate um, plus uh, century in the English T20 bat, uh, blast recently. By the way, um, having watched that innings, jeez, uh, this bloke can play. I mean, he walks down the wicket and smashes spinners, very similar to two of my favorite one day players, uh, Dean Jones and Kevin Peterson. So, golly, that's, that's awesome to watch him bat. Um, but he'd be replacing Sam Billings who's looked out of sorts at number five uh, in the couple of matches he's played this year. Alternatively, Liam Livingston, who played the first match as a makeshift opener, got three, really struggled, didn't look uh, comfortable in the position he was batting, could swap with uh, Billings at five as well, right? Um, Left-arm orthodox spinner Liam Dawson, he could also come back into the side. Um, He'd come back for Rashid, I'd imagine, uh, whose leg spinners have been negotiated pretty well, I'd say by an otherwise vulnerable Sri Lankan batting lineup. If he does get picked, he's probably going to bat at 8. I'd wager him getting picked, though, is pretty unlikely because they probably want to keep Rashid going um, and give him more time to bowl and get into a rhythm for the premier limited overs competition that's going to be coming up later this year, the 2021 T20 World Cup. Apart from those slots, England would also likely give Mark Wood a rest. Um, he's an express pacer, right? Um, he's had a history of those side strains and ankle injuries. So playing him for all three matches in a row it probably will take too much of a toll on his body. Uh, and the idea would be to replace him with the debutante, uh, Sussex Tom Quake George Garden. Um, he's got the slingy action that makes him really hard to pick. Um, with his 140 kilometers per hour deliveries for batsmen, especially right-handed ones, I should say, uh, at the point of release. It's very Mitchell Johnson-like, if you guys remember how Mitchell used to bowl. Um, Sri Lanka might really rest one of their pacers too. Uh, Chamika Karuna Ratne uh, probably would be the one that they drop. Um, as third pacer, he's sort of eased pressure in the middle orders, overs um, since after it was built up by Benura, Fernando, and Jamira in their opening spells. And, and given that Bristol has a reputation of being one of the few grounds in England where the pitch offers something for the spinners, uh, left-arm Chinaman Lakshan Sandakanan uh, could make an appearance. Overall, I would predict the following playing 11s for both teams. With both lineups discussed, let's talk about picking a fantasy Dream 11 cricket team out of them for this match. In terms of the openers, I'd go with Kusil Pereira and Johnny Bairstow. Even though Roy got a 50 in the last match, he's not really known for his reticence on the crease when the ball off the pitch or in the air has some movement for the fast bowlers. Uh, remember the 2019 Ashes, guys? Um, like this Bristol pitch would likely have. Um, Nisanka looks, quite frankly, gone 
at the stage with his front foot getting more and more glued to the crease uh, being really a sign of his mental frailties as an out-of-form batsman. Because I've seen him bat. He can play technically organized good cricket with that front foot moving forward, but he's just out of form and the English batsmen, bowlers, I mean, are going to look like gobbling him up every second. Um, Pereira and Berstow, I'd say, are the most equipped thus to handle the movement and pressure to deliver a quick-fire start, and so they would get my vote as openers on the side. At number three, uh, Joe Root gets my vote. Um, half centuries in the last two matches, over 6,000 ODI runs. He appears to be actually in the form of his life <laughs> in ODI cricket, and I doubt it'll take a turn for the worse in this match. Um, in contrast, my number four pick, Ion Morgan, uh, the English skipper, was actually in poor form till he scored that unbeaten 70-odd to guide England home in that chase they had last match. Um, he probably has the extra motivation to repeat that performance because uh, he's been out of form prior to that getting that 70 for a long while, and he, he'd probably want to quash any doubts about his form going into the Pakistan ODI series and into the World Cup at large. Um, as much as I love Sri Lanka's option also at this number four spot, Dhananjaya De Silva, I just don't think he's ready uh, to deliver back-to-back -back big performances at this stage of his career. He just seems to lack that level of consistency just yet. Having reached the middle order, um, I admit picking players from these slots are probably the toughest decision of the lot, to be quite honest. Um, for number five, I could go with Sri Lankan batsman Charit Asalanka, who's actually showed good reflexes in his batsmanship thus far. He hasn't scored many runs, though, right? And a reason for that, I'd say, is the injudicious shot selection uh, that he's had has meant that he's been out twice cheaply, and I don't really see that changing uh, this time either. Um, as such, it's probably a toss-up between the two English players potentially batting at that number five spot for me, um, Tom Banton and Sam Billings. If the ladders retain, go with him. Otherwise, stick with the promise of Banton. Um, given that the ball will be hooping around corners, both are likely to come in at that early innings phase. I'm talking probably around the 15-over mark or 10th-over mark, as a matter of fact. And both thus will be given this chance to build an innings of substance if they stick around. Moin Ali at 6 and Wanindu Hasaranga at 7 round out my list of recognizable batsmen in this combined XI. Um, each are capable of providing a late order flourish to the innings in a very aggressive fashion, which both of these teams will look to use heavily uh, to maximize their run output in a rain-affected match where uh, they, both teams will have limited amounts of overs to get those uh, runs in, right? Uh, they also have the added advantage, both of these two, of being spin-bowling all-rounders. Uh, specifically ones that get significant revolutions on the ball. Um, that allows them to impart tone on wickets that provide them assistance, and this Bristol wicket is, again, as we've mentioned before, likely to give the, those spinners a chance. Uh, so they are likely to profit here. Now coming to the bowlers. Um, I'll go for an attack of Chris Wokes at 8, Benura Fernando at 9, Vishmanta Chamira at 10, and George Garden at 11. Uh, Wokes as a tall right-arm outswing bowler, um, Given that in the matches I've seen him play at Bristol, um, both in county uh, cricket and international cricket, uh, he tends to be bowling from one pavilion end, which he's probably going to get here as well. And given that there's going to be a moderate sort of breeze blowing on the ground that I mentioned earlier, um, he's likely to get exaggerated movement from his outswing, and that could really trouble the Sri Lankan batsmen who are have showed to have been struggling with that kind of movement in this series. Uh, Minura Fernando, on the other hand, he's been the only frontline bowler from Sri Lanka to not go for an economy rate 
of six per over or above in either of the matches that have been played thus far. Uh, he's bowled really accurately, and I, I think he could finally pick up a stack of wickets that's been um, that he's deserved for his performances that he's put in in this series thus far. Um, Jamira, who's been the pick of the bowlers for Sri Lanka, is almost a no-brainer here. He's got that late movement um, into the right-handers and away from the lefties um, consistently. Um, and I think his skitty action that would make that 85 miles per hour plus uh, deliveries that he bowls consistently look faster to the English batsmen um, could rattle them on a surface with even more assistance in the other pitches they've played. Um, my logic actually for picking Garden, uh, George Garden, that is, uh, is very similar to Mirror's, um, with one added difference. Uh, Sri Lanka have never actually seen or played Garden in any format of professional cricket, and the fact that he has that unorthodox uh, bowling action, I think, could just trouble them surely out of its novelty. With all that said, I'll take your leave. Uh, join me tomorrow as I give my thoughts on the match as it unfolds. Uh, and yeah, guys, um, see you guys. Bye.